You're listening to Trot the Egging, hosted by John Hetherington, working with Witness Rugby Union Football Club, sponsored by Boydells. How well, have you and the family been, John? Very good, thanks. Yeah, yeah. good. Too. So, <coughs> before we get stuck into your rugby story, mate, where was home to you as a kid and who lived at home with you? I come from a little mining village, a little village called Pontycumma in the Nagaru Valley, just outside of Bridgend. And yeah, that was where I was born and where I grew up. It's also where my father was born, born in the same house, actually. Yeah. Yeah, like a terraced house, uh, top of a hill. So yeah, we uh, lived that, there that... for lived there till I was about twenty three. That house, and then my mum and dad moved uh, moved to a smaller house then because I got married right. then. Yeah, all oh, right. Bought my first house in the valley as well, just before I joined Witness. Yeah, right. So before we get on to them glory days, mate, how was you introduced to rugby and and where was the club that you got introduced to? Well, obviously, I started playing rugby in school as an eight-year-old and then um, yeah. went through uh, the schools, uh, you know, all the different schools. But, yeah, w- when I was in school, obviously, I pretty good at rugby. Didn't have any uh, any any honours, any school by honours. But then I went to... Um, I was affiliated with the Gen Rugby Club uh, when I was about 16, 17. And uh, I guested for them uh, when I was still in school. And then when I went to Cardiff College then, where to do, do my degree, that's when I started playing um, against all the first-class clubs in Wales. And that's where I got noticed then. And then I broke onto the scene then for uh, for Wales while I was still yeah. in college. Right. So what sort of kid was you? Was you timid or was, was trials not around back then for like a, a local town team maybe or regional side? Yeah, I was different then, you know, you, you went through school and then you ended up, um, you, you know, you either stayed in your, your club side, you know, your village side. Yeah. And then um, if you were any good, then that's how it happened. You go and then play for Bridgend or Maestag, the two local sides. Yeah. Because it was all very local, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say there were many people who would play for Pondycombe uh, village side and then go and play for, say, Llanetli or Newport. It was generally, if you were any good, Bridgen would come and, come and have a look at you and they'd yeah. go and have a, you'd have a trial or a, a game for Bridgen. Right, so you uh, basically get picked up through the education, rugby system sort of thing, through your schools and colleges. Well, no, the schools, uh, you play school rugby and then you play, yeah. um, you know, you, um, you, you play, um, you know, rugby club, um, Youth rugby as well. I mean, yeah. when back in the day, we played uh, school rugby in the morning and youth rugby in the afternoon. When you could, but you didn't feel it. Ah, uh, hi. And then, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, that's how it happened. And then, you know, um, so we played both school rugby and, and youth rugby. So there was different, you know, then through the youth, you could, could then go on to play for the club, right. the first and second team. Or you know, through, and then through school, obviously, then that was um, that was with um, I, I got picked up by Bridgend through the school because my schoolmaster was um, a Bridgend Bridgend uh, player, captain, and he went on to play for Wales as well and coached Wales. His name was John Lloyd, so he's my schoolmaster. So he right. introduced he introduced me to um, 
or like specific weight training to rugby and stuff like that. You know, he knew I had a talent. He just was harnessing my, um, you know, I was already a very strong person and he, yeah. he harnessed that by, uh, by doing some weight, weight training with me in my dinner hour in school. Yeah, so we showed you a little bit of professionalism before professionalism, basically. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. a little bit. He just knew that um, to get on, you know, at the top, you, you know, having that extra um, sort of, and your, your body developing, obviously stronger muscles in your shoulders, you know, cuts down the chances of injuries and stuff. Again, on yeah. your legs as well. But yeah, he, yeah. Was, uh, he was my PE master, so... Um, name was John Lloyd and uh, yeah I mean I've been very lucky to come across a lot of influential people in my career I think he was one of the one of the main ones uh, through my comprehensive days and um, there was a chap in the primary school his name was uh, Arthur Thomas and there's another chap called Di Harris um, who the schoolmaster there who introduced me to rugby the first time you know when I was eight years of age but yeah yeah, like I said, I went and played for district rugby, but I never, and, and, and county, but while I was in school, but I never actually got any school's caps. In fact, I got a bit of disillusionment in the game when I was about 15, and I went to play football, and I actually played for the Boys Clubs of Wales in football. I had two caps against um, two Scottish sides, yeah. So, oh, that, that's cool, isn't it? So are you yeah. one of them that was just like, you were pretty talented at more sport, mate, if, say, Probably. you'd have... Yeah, yeah, either pit one, you'd have excelled at it, sort of thing. Yeah, and it just happened yeah. to be rugby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, you know, in my day, it was only rugby, and then yeah. um, we played a bit of basketball in the summer. But um, right, yeah, it was only rugby. We weren't allowed to, we weren't allowed to coach football. But, then, <laughs> but I played football down the boys' club you know, yeah. in the local community centre. So that's where we um, and the gang of boys who used to prefer football to rugby, and then we yeah, we had a good side. And like I say, yeah. I went on to trial then and I, I played centre forward and I managed to get two caps then at under 16s. And another boy played with me from a different uh, boys club. He, his name was Sean McCarthy. And he decided, he was a very good rugby player, but he decided, or his father said, there's no, there's no money in rugby. He said, play football. And he went on to play for uh, Oldham and Bradford. Oh, it's yeah. good standard then, though, isn't it? Still a good standard. Yeah, yeah, no, he was in, yeah. you know, the equivalent of the whatever the first division back then. He played for, um, I remember him scoring. He, he, so he was in Bradford and Oldham when I was in Witness. So he was up north, same time as me. Yeah, he's stay in touch and that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. came when we played, I think when we played Bradford once down at, um, uh, we played Bradford at the the other ground, not, uh, not odd, so. But the one where they had the fire, I can't remember the name of it. Oh, now. yeah, yeah. He came to the game because right. he was abrupted. But I remember him scoring for, for Oldham against Man United once. I mean, he, he was centre forward as well, but in his in the boys' clubs, he was um, left, a left back or a right back, I think he was. Right. So if we go back a little bit, mate, and you're introduced to rugby, do you remember how, how it was a setup? So was it a small pitch? Was it non contact? Do you remember much about them early days? Oh, was, uh, I think it was a full pitch. Um, yeah, yeah, plenty was, of legs uh, on you then. <laughs> they yeah, they didn't have um, they didn't have little pitches in them days, or they didn't play yeah. half a pitch or sideways or whatever. No right. full pitch, and um, yeah, um, it was full contact. Like I say, I started eight, eight eight years of age, and you know, line up in a in a line, and the teacher sort of picks the tall one to play in the second row and the fast yeah. one to play on the wing and the, 
the plump one to play on, the, you know, in the scrums. So yeah. <laughs> so lucky I was. That had been me. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, so I think I, I can't remember. I think I started off. My school teacher actually reckons I started off as scrum off because I was talking to him not so long ago. Because I'm writing a book at the moment, my autobiography, yeah. and right. he's living in a, he's living in America now. Diaries. And he said, I, st- I started off with a scrum half, I can't remember. But, yeah. he, he, but uh, outside half, I actually played. Okay. For, throughout my school, up to about yeah. 15. And the right. 15, and the 16s. And then I played full back and centre. And then uh, at under 18 level. But like I said, I didn't get any honours. Yeah. And then I went to university uh, in Cardiff for... Uh, to do a P course, so I was going to be a P, you know, to go to university to be to to, to do a be a, t, a PE teacher, and um, that was Cardiff College, and then that's where I, um, yeah, that's where I was introduced to um, rugby on a bigger scale. I mean, we played yeah. all the first first class clubs in Wales, and um, we we acquitted ourselves very well. We had a good side as well. We were yeah. all students, but we were very fast. Yeah. Obviously, we'd struggle a little bit in um, up, up front against some big sides. But uh, we used to, sides used to hate playing against us because we used to run them off the park. I was going to say, the move them around and that, yeah. Uh, our coach hated anyone kicking the ball. If you kick the ball, he bloody yanked you off. But, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's, um, that, was, that was back, oh, yeah, yeah. 1984 I went there. Back right. And I did three years in Cardiff, and in, but in my second year, that's when I hit the big time because we played Cardiff in the cup. It was a cup match. Cardiff, a uh, big side, obviously full of yeah, yeah. They, they had uh, eight or nine internationals that day playing, and I played in the centre against a guy called Bob Ackerman. And I, um, my handoffs, which are sort of legendary for my time in rugby, uh, Bob, um, who ended up going to rugby league, um, right. um, played for. Salford, I think Bob did, and may have had a little stint with Leeds. I can't remember, but yeah, Bob uh, ended up on his backside a few times after you know me handing him off, and I had all the headlines. And then a couple of months later, you know, I carried on playing, and I was selected to play for Wales in 1986. So it's really, really weird. Oh, it's, it's like a, a rapid rise, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was yeah. like a stu- I was 19 playing for Wales, and I was still a student, so I was a second year student. Yeah, That's, it's madness thinking back. So when you climbing mad- through, yeah, sorry mate. So climbing through the the ages, and for people, listeners, and viewers that might not know, when we say out half or fly half, yeah. it's standoff or number Stand ten, up. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so did you did you feel the standard getting better as you're playing club, school, county, divisional? Are you feeling the differences? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you, you. you. I think in terms of my coaching, um, you know, be, as I said earlier, I'd be very lucky to have influential people and 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 good people coaching me and through primary school, comprehensive school. And then when I went to Cardiff College, I had a guy called Leighton Davis. He was a Bridgend, um, uh, ex-Bridgend, um, I might stake, uh, rugby player who, who was the actual, one of the lecturers in college and he coached the first team and he uh, he passed away a couple of years just during COVID, and um, but he was a le- he was legendary, and 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 the college have, have produced something like fifty eight internationals through yeah. the years, 
So people like Gareth Edwards, people I may know, and yeah. Rinmore Williams, Gareth Williams, um, you know, um, yeah, Ryan Jones, one of the more modern players, and the boy yeah. you know, um, there's a boy playing for England. So yeah, not just Wales, there was English boys. Yeah, and um, what again? Sorry, what viewers and listeners want there was a lot of the Welsh Union sides playing the Premiership, don't they? Yeah, back in the day, though, it was called the yeah. Whitbread Merit Table. It was sponsored by a right. brewery, the Whitbread Merit Table. And yeah. it was just a, um, a, a big league of about, um, I don't know, 15 teams. Yeah. And um, some of those teams have disappeared and some new sides have uh, appeared now in the modern game. But yeah. they And they made the league smaller. But, um, yeah, so back then, it was a, a big league. And then you had a cup competition as well called the Welsh Cup. That was yeah. played at Cardiff Arms Park at the end of the season. And and during my time, it was sponsored by Schweppes. We call it the, you know, the Schweppes Cup. And uh, yeah. but it's, I think it's been, it's been sponsored by many, many different companies over the years. It was Conica uh, a few years ago. Um, yeah, so, yeah. but yeah, when I was in um, in that time, it was, there was no premiership or such or right. regional rug, rugby. It was, yeah. And it was an amateur game, you know? So, yeah. yeah. That's what I like, saw. So, yeah, as much as you were a student, you'd have been playing against fully seasoned, top level yes. players that are working through the day and training of an yes. evening. And, yeah, yeah. So I it's mad old time to change. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't working through the day. I was. Well, students. Yeah, yeah. And the positions that you talk about, John, <clears> as much <throat> as a 10 and 12 can be stuck next to each other or the 15s out the back. Each role's very different attackively and defensively, isn't it? So where did you prefer playing and why? Well, I, I was always going to be a back. Um, yeah. I was very quick and strong, uh, but I was tall, you know, I was tall. I was, um, but I was very quick. And uh, yeah, and, that, and that's, and those, and those, um, those kind of skills you need um, to, to get to the top in any game, not just rugby league. You know, you know, rugby union, you need to have pace, you need to have skill. And um, yeah, I'm staying free of injuries, obviously. And I was um, I was lucky to do that. Yeah. I picked up a couple of injuries later on in my life. But yeah, you know, it's um, the backs is where I wanted to play. I was never going to play in the forward. Uh, do you know what I mean? So yeah. um, it's different. I mean, um, rugby union is very technical for, for a rugby player. It's... Um, you know, very you set pieces, your scrummages and your line outs and your rucking them all in. It's very technical. Yeah. And it never appealed to me. I think I played number eight once in a in a youth game. Um those those young I only played number eight because we were short and right. I was quite tall. But uh, yeah, no, I preferred playing in the backs and yeah. I started off as like standoff equivalent yeah. and then I moved into the center and full back and I played those those positions then. You Did know, you play a twelve or thirteen, John? Well, in the day, in the day in rugby union, it was called inside and out. It was, or, yes. or, or you played left or right. You know, right. I think yeah. it's left or right with in league, isn't it? But yeah, um, yeah, it was inside and outside. Obviously, you get one centre who's big and strong and does all. It the, tended the to be the ball carrying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you get the one who's a twinky toes and um, he's a bit smaller, maybe. But um, yeah, so I was always like the thirteen, the sort of. Yeah, right. but I, never was, I wasn't a crash ball centre no. um, in my early days. I, I mean, I could beat people um, on the outside. That was that was one of my strengths. Obviously, going on the outside of arc and then using my fend to uh, 
get past a, a defender, you know. But um, yeah. I mean, if they if they go low, they they get you, don't they? But you relying on somebody who who doesn't go low and then you fend them off, and then I had exactly. a lot. Of, yeah, yeah. I had a very good sidestep as well, a very good right yeah. sidestep. Well, that helps you fade off the pass as well, doesn't it? Gives you that half yard on the outside and yeah. away, you know. What would That's you right. have wanted from your winger at 13 then, mate? Did you want them to fully trust you? Because defensively, I think I think it's one of the hardest places on a rugby union field 13, or it seems it, because of the space you can be left yeah, with. No, I mean, don't get me wrong, going through, you know, schools and then college, you had a bit more time. The standard was good. But, you know, once you get into international level, it's, you know, much, yeah. much more tighter. And, and then, um, but yeah, in, in terms of, uh, yeah, you know, playing in the college, it was great because we, we threw the ball around a lot. So, you know, we didn't really... After, you know, we didn't try to do bashing it up and stuff like that. So we tried to use the skills to get people, you know, we, and we tried to get the wingers in play all the time because we had some good wingers. Yeah. They were very quick. Um, but I was a, I was quick as well, and I probably was a little bit greedy on times. And But if you know, I come through school where I was sort of the main boy, you know, the key player in all my school's yeah. teams, I, I kind of developed that, you know, kind of trait where I, I probably did, you know, hold on to the ball a bit more than I should have um, because I was used to being the main man, you know, in sport. I was going to say players. that bit better than everyone. So, you, yeah, you tend to be able to stick or you know, get away with the 2 on ones and Aye. Yeah. Right. So, you went uni, mate, and, and that's when you said it yourself, did, your time took off, didn't it, at Cardiff College. So, how does that chat go to become an international and, what comes off the back of playing for Wales at such a young age as a student? Whew, well, it comes off it. I mean, it's it's a bit freaky because it doesn't happen. Um, it hasn't happened. And it'll, it'll never happen again, I don't think, because no. everyone's in the sort of, um, you know, these days, a, a, a boy comes through the network, you know, through the school's uh, programme, and then he's, caught, he's, he's then, he goes into a, like an academy, they're on a pathway from like early teens now, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. And, and and they they'll know from a, a young age if they keep going and developing. There's there's a very good chance they can either end up well, they will end up in a, a region, and then then the sky's the limit if they if they perform in the regions, they they can get a chance of playing for Wales. But um, yeah. but my my situation was it was it wasn't like that. I didn't have academies in those days, and. Um, you just had district sides. Yeah. And then when I went to college, you know, that was my chance then because uh, there is a little bit of a lot of kind of favoritism or was back in the day. So my face didn't fit. I, might, I didn't have a schoolmaster who was on the coaching staff or, um, or had, uh, as one of the selectors then. Yeah. For the school's net set up, so um, I didn't get any honours. But then, when I was in college, it, that's all irrelevant, and I um, I just kept on giving hundred percent every game, learning new skills, getting fit. I mean, I was ne- I was never as fit as I was when I was in college. I mean, I was yeah. three years, you know, when everyone's uh, out working, doing their day jobs, could be labouring, could be working down the pit, could be you know, repping, painting decorators, whatever. I was doing, like, all skills and um, rugby, football, tennis, cricket. Yeah, I was doing all these sports and uh, swimming. 
and stuff like that. So I was never, I, I was never that fit. I was, I, that's the fittest I've always been, you know, yeah. in my life. Yeah. I mean, low body fat. And uh, yeah, you got to know about stuff like that as well. Doing a course like that, you know, you got to know about anatomy and physiology, your body, nutrition. And, um, but we drank a lot as well on a Wednesday night and a, and a, and a Saturday night, you know. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. when you what were you like in a new environment, John? Because it's a drastically different one going from college to international setup, isn't it? Yeah, well it was for me, obviously. It was um it was and uh, the thing what people don't realise is when I broke into the Welsh team in nineteen eighty-six, I was a student and nobody really knew me because I was playing student rugby. The people yeah. who I played against knew me, but the general public didn't know who I was because I hadn't really I wasn't really playing for um, a top a top side. I was a college player, and uh, and to be honest, we used to play Wednesday night games and Saturday games. We play all the big clubs on a, a Wednesday, and they were always away. So we always had every game was away against right. all the top sides, and they would they wouldn't play their stronger side, but it was still still good standing and still yeah. you know good tests for us. So and we we won some games you know we we beat my stake ponta trees um Abara, you know we beat some a lot of these sides we never sort of managed to beat sides like uh, cardiff or um swansea or bridgend during my time because um they had a lot of strength and depth and they 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 did even if they threw out their second team you know they they were they were always stronger than us but um yeah. but anyway it was a good good learning curve and I get it. I you know I got into the well setup based on my ability really, and um, they took a gamble. I'll I'll, yeah. I'll take I'll say that uh, the selectors because they called them the Big Five back in the day. The well selectors, right. they were called the Big Five. There were five uh, five uh, people who were selected. One of them was yeah. the the Welsh coach, and then there was another four others where they were like um, a number of them were ex internationals, but you know, being yeah. on the you know being with Wales for years. So yeah, that was. Uh, I was um that's what happened and yeah I, I hit the scene and um and it was fantastic for me because I was a student um playing and, and obviously set it starting off with Wales and my first cap was against England in 1986 at, at Twickenham we lost 21-18 we scored the only try of the match uh, my centre partner Bledham Bowen scored a lovely try off the back of a the line out we had a nice tap down and he scored a try and we lost to Rob Andrews' boot. You know, he scored, he scored 21 points and he, right. he dropped he dropped a goal in the third minute of injury time to win 21-18. So, disappointment to lose to England. You know, it's a big yeah. rivalry between Wales and England. But um, still, it was, um, it, I was, it, I had mixed emotions. I had mixed emotions because it was my first cap, but I was very sad because we lost. But yeah. we had a good good time in London after and um, the dinner. In, uh, I can imagine, mate. <laughs> But then it was, it was, I think, two weeks later we were playing against Scotland uh, yeah. at home, and I was, and I always wanted, I didn't want to be a one cap wonder, and um, I got picked again, and then um, we beat Scotland in Cardiff, and it was famous for a world record kick by a guy called Paul Forburn. He kicked kicked a penalty from the sixty four meet, well, it was sixty four meters, so in effect, in his own half, but on yeah. the ten meter line. So between halfway between the halfway line and the twenty meter line in in league, you know the ten. Yeah, 10, yeah, and he smashed it. Sixty four meters. Yeah, it was a howling wind coming off the East Terrace in the old Cardiff Farmers Park, and um, 
he booted it over and Bill McLaren was doing the commentary and yeah, took the stuffing out of the Scots, I did, because I remember Jonathan Davis had a couple of drop balls that day and um, it was a it was a tight game, but yeah, we won it. And then again, we had we saw dinners uh, with the teams we played against every game. So yeah. at, in the night after game, there would be big dinners and Dicky Bow job and you know, to get very drunk and um, all the wives, <laughs> all the wives would join us later on than that or girlfriends at the time. Yeah. yeah. But it was fantastic for me. I was a student playing for Wales and living I the just, dream, mate. Yeah, yeah. I just re- relished it really. And um and and I played for Wales the next year. I was still a student. So I was two years a student playing for Wales, yeah. but it was my but it was in different circumstances. I was coming, I was doing my uh, final year. Um, dissertation and then final exams and it, it, the final exams clashed with the World Cup the first ever Rugby Union World Cup in Australia and New Zealand and they allowed me to sit my exams over in New Zealand during the pool matches so um, I sat two exams in Wellington and one in Dunedin and we played Ireland, Tonga and uh, Canada in the pool matches and um, my last exam was the day before we played Canada in the last match and we qualified, we, we won the group Beat yeah, Island, yeah. Tonga, and Canada. I played in the Canada. Uh, I, I played in the first game against Ireland, and uh, the third game against Canada. And yeah, we got through then to the quarterfinals. We played England, and we had to travel over to Brisbane then to play England. And we beat Bris- we beat England in Brisbane. And I scored an interception try, uh, which was good. And uh, we had a good time over in Surface Paradise. And then we had another game then. Against New Zealand in the semi-final, that was uh, that was probably um, hardest game of rugby I've ever played in my life. They were very right. similar. They were very similar to the Wigan side, our arch enemies in Wigan. There, yeah. You know, when when I played Witness, it was it was just that's all Wigan, wasn't it? You know, going yeah. to, going for the championship. And I think the All Blacks were very close to being in comparison then to that Wigan side. You know, right? Very, very strong side. Yeah. So. Do you know when you were playing the, uh, well, the not provincial sides, like the bigger sides you were playing at uni, did you, was that a potential shot window for you? Yes. Or was you not aware? So were you yeah, aware yeah. of that though, John? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's the, yeah. I mean, that's the main reason I went to college. Right. Uh, I didn't really want to be a PE teacher, if, if, if truth be known. Yeah. I just, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I just thought, I think there was a, there was a bit of a conveyor belt of players that had gone there. I, I know I knew two of my ex-school uh, colleagues had gone there, three actually, sorry. Yeah. And um, I just knew it was a good place to be, and there yeah. was a potential. Get yourself out there. Yeah. Yeah. And and, I, and and then, you know, as as most students have like Christmas off and um, Easter and things like that, in those in those breaks we didn't play for the college. I could go there and play for Bridgend. Right. So I was I was then. That was my side, Regend. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Regend, you know, I'd go and play in Christmas Christmas matches and Easter games for Regend. Um, but when I obviously hit the big time, there was a couple of clubs come in for me, like Swansea wanted me to go there and uh, Finnefly as well. But my heart right. was always in heart was always in Regend, really. Yeah. And when you first broke into the international setup, was you? Was you allowed the freedom to play, or is that when structure become a dead set serious thing? Were you allowed a little bit of a free roll? Um, 
Well, playing the games? Like internationally, because you've gone from college being able to sort of dictate how you wanted to play because you didn't you didn't kick a ball really, did you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? And then you've stepped up into that level, which is intense and it's yeah, on no, it one hundred percent of the time, yeah. isn't it? No, and you had game plans, obviously, and you, yeah. you played to your strengths. I mean, um, Jonathan Davis was playing t- uh, ten with me. Right. Yeah. Okay, uh, playing standoff. He, he was, yeah. um, and in rugby union, different rugby league. The ten is the key player in you know it, it, the standoff in rugby union, and and yeah. a lot of the time. You know, the ball would go to Jonathan and if he, you know, he would kick a lot for field position and stuff like that or relieve pressure. Um, and he'd have a goal himself, obviously, because we all know yeah. how, how dangerous he was uh, as a runner. But, um, yeah, it kind of... I remember one international, right, against England. I think it was 1987. And I touched the ball four times in an, in an international. Yeah, frustrating. In, as a centre. Yeah. So that's... It's, it's sad, that's, really, that's, isn't it? That's not good. And let, you know, think of how many times the wingers then would have, would have touched the ball. Even less, mate, yeah, if they did. Because they're not like they're not like rugby league wingers. They don't, no. drop, they don't drop back for kicks and stuff like that. No. Um, I think the role's changed now, though, John, and it? Like, they oh, come in yeah, and look yeah, for yeah, work yeah. now, though. But then yeah, it was... Yeah. It yeah. was sort of huggy top time, wasn't it? But at, but at the time, that, that's, what, that's the game. It was a very... Yeah. Um, you know the the kind of lo- the laws, and it was it was called ten man rugby in a sense. Um, like the ball would come out from the pack, eight forwards, scrum half to ten. That's eight, that's ten players, and Jonathan would uh, you know invariably kick the leather off the ball. Um, yeah. It was boring. It was boring, and it, in hind- when I look back at my career during that time, it got a bit boring, and things like that was one of the reasons that. That I went to rugby league because I fancied something different, you know. Yeah. So. Right. So, like you said, you were approached, mate, by some of them, the, the power clubs, should we call them back then? Just, yeah, well, Swansea were a big club and yeah. very big, you know. Um, yeah, power clubs, weren't they? And I was obviously still in college. So, they were they were putting feelers out and say, well, you know, when you finish college, yeah. I'll go coming down and joining us. So, it was nice to get that. Uh, interest yeah. and, and those offers, but I, I I nearly joined Swansea. I mean, I will. What happened there? They 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 pulled out a lot of stops and and lined up a number of interviews for me for jobs because we all worked. Yeah, you know, everyone worked. But so I was I was out of college, so I didn't have a job at the time. So I was looking for a job, and uh, and then uh, yeah, they lined me up for a couple of repping jobs, you know. Um, mm. And I I got, I got a job offer from um, from a company. In the construction business, and then um, I kind of like went back to Bridgend and told them and said, "Look, unless something changes, it looks like I'm going to Swansea, you know, because the job was important." And yeah. then Bridgend did a bit of phoning around, and they managed to line me up for an interview with Wimpy Holmes, and right. um, and I got a job with Wimpy Holmes, uh, working as a land negotiator. So I was in the land department going out looking for new uh, housing sites. And so it's win-win, really, because you, you're managing to play where you want to play. Yeah. And so you've, you've come end, for the yeah. job. Yeah. And it was it's kind of tight. I had two job offers, one with Swansea, one with the Gen. Yeah. And I took the one. It wasn't it wasn't um, anything to do. Wimpy's were nothing to do with the Gen. It was just... 
someone who knew someone knew that it was a job going and it was really kind of like um well thank you you know thank you for you know putting my name forward and i got i know i had a proper interview got the job on merit and uh then yeah i got uh yeah and then i was with wimpy's for two years three years and then uh then went on the Lions tour with um, British Lions to Australia and then come back. I was getting married and then uh, witness came knocking on the door. Right. So let's talk about the Lions, mate. Was that ever something, as well as you knew you were a good player, John, which you can't deny you was, and you're around the sort of people and environment you, you are, not only as a student, but as a young man. Was that ever a name for you? Or, and, and how did the Lions call up come about? Well, it's the top of the shop. Um, it's the biggest... Absolute uh, level, mate, yeah. Yeah, it's the biggest honour you can... You know, playing for Wales is, is a massive honour, but to get to the Lions is... Um, it's different with GB and stuff like that in, in rugby league. It's not... It is big, but it's not as big as playing for the British and Irish Lions in rugby union. Yeah, there's not a buy-in from the fans as to like there just is so many players. There's so more, yeah. so many more players, and the standard, you know, it's just it is um it's it is a big accolade to get, you know, and it's it's on your it's on your list to try to achieve. And you and really you've got to be putting in the, the, the form and it's 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 all how you play for your country. It's not how you play for your for your um for your rugby, you know, club, it's how you play for Wales and uh, yeah, and I and I, I was I was amazed. I had a call up in '86. For, for we were supposed to go to South Africa, and I got selected for the British and Irish Lions in '86 to play a one-off game against the rest of the world in Cardiff. So we were supposed to go to South Africa, but because of apartheid, the tour was right. not allowed. Yeah. So I would. So if I if if there was no apartheid, I would have gone to South Africa on tour with the British Lions in '86, my first season. Yeah. But it didn't happen. But we were playing against the rest of the world at Cardiff, and I was we were capped. We got caps for that. We were awarded yeah. caps. We were only awarded caps for that three years ago. So I've got a cap. It's in oh, my really? It's in my cabinet yeah. over there. Um, Brilliant. It's alongside my Welsh cap, yeah. and uh, and, my, and my you know I got a GB cap as well. You know, there's not many people who've got both a GB and a rugby league and a. That's a good point. That yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, there's only a few. Only a few Welshmen I know. Alan Bateman is one. Yeah. Die, Wat- Die Watkins is another one. I think uh, John Bentley has done it as an Englishman. Uh, Alan Tate has done it as a Scotsman. Yeah. Uh, Jason Robinson has done it. Uh, uh, yeah, there's not many, but it's not many Welshmen. But it's a, it's a big honour, you know. Fine company honor. as well, John, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. But it's... um. It's a special tour and it's a bigger profile on, on touring with the Lions. It's, you know, there's like 40,000 bloody fans go to watch every tour. Yeah. I went I went as a fan in 2017 with a couple of friends to New Zealand. You know, I'd been there four or five times before as a player, but, you know, just fancy going over as a as a tourist on the, on the Lions just to see what it's like on the on the other side of the fence, you know? Yeah. But, um, I- but as a player, it's the top. I mean, we have the best of everything. I mean, even though it was amateur, still amateur, we, yeah. had, we stayed in the best hotels. We had, you know, not bad gear, even though when I look back at what they have these days, it's <laughs> pathetic. Um, yeah. And we just, yeah, it's a great standard. We got yeah. 34 players on a tour who, you know, depending on who's the most successful side in that 
five nations or six nations leading up to the Alliance tour. You know, depicts how many Englishmen, Welshmen. Yeah. I mean, on my tour of 89, it was 14 English, eight Scots, eight Welsh and four Irish. Right. You know, making up the 34. We had a guy called Ian McGeechan uh, coaching for the first time. He was a legendary coach for the Lions. Well, he's a great player and he coached the Lions many times after successful with success as well, winning a number of uh, series. And then um, we had a guy called Finley Calder, who was a captain, Scotsman, and uh, he was a back rower. And when I say back rower, not back rower in league, uh, he was like a number seven, so an open side yeah. backer. We don't have bankers in um, rugby league. Maybe, no, we should, no. may, maybe we should get rid of them in rugby union because it may make it a bit better. <laughs> less yeah. players less players makes more space quicker breakdown yeah yeah but that was well, uh, that was and it was a great tour and we um and we toured um you know the whole length and breadth of australia started in perth western australia and then we went over to sydney and played new south wales um queensland um act down in canberra yeah uh, New South Wales country up in Newcastle. Um, Where else do we play? Yeah, but then we had three test matches as well. Yeah, for people, people will know, but if they don't, it's a busy tour, mate. You, you play Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, don't you? And yeah. yeah, so the midweek games will be provincial club sides, That's weekends, the, the big dance, isn't it? So, do you know yeah, when you go back? Sorry, John, do you know when you go back? How is it when you've seen? The rugby developed, but mostly the culture and country developed from when you last went. Have you noticed big changes when you've gone back to like New Zealand? Yeah, I didn't recognise Auckland to be honest. Yeah. Um, I went to Rotorua. That was that had changed a bit. Um, and I started in Wellington again. That had changed a hell of a lot. You know, new stadiums for starters. You know, the stadiums yeah. were unrecognisable from the stadiums that we played at. Um, and some of them were brand new, like Wellington was a was brand new. Um, Wellington's old stadium was up on top of a mountain, and they called the the Hurricanes. And it it's so windy there; it's unbelievable. You know, I, right. you, know you, you you wouldn't appreciate how how strong the wind is. Um, and it, you know, bearing the play on 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 every game you played there is um, you really had to dig in for you know if you were playing against the wind. Yeah, we got these new stadiums now in Auckland. Eden Park is the the home of you know the, uh, the Auckland Blues, but also you know New Zealand play there. And they've got some fantastic record. They haven't lost there for I don't know many years. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's unrecognisable from when I played played there. Must be nice yeah. to go and see it though. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good. Yeah, it's good yeah. atmosphere. I'd say sitting on uh, being a spectator, it's uh, you know it's tough. Like you know you're out. I mean, some of these stadiums as well are, are exposed to the elements, you know, the stands don't come over them and, and it rains a lot in New Zealand, so you're going to get yeah. soaked. But um, <laughs> you don't mind getting soaked if you're playing, because you're playing, isn't it? It's you different, I mean? mate, yeah. If you sat there with your bloody your best clobber on, you don't want to get wet, like. Yeah, if I have an ice in your beer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't, like, I don't like New Zealand beer, though, it's disgusting. Horrible. It's a, I can't drink, mate, I'm a sad drinker, so I'd probably struggle yeah. anywhere. I don't think they've done it, Dine Lager, and then all yeah. these other things like, nah, don't like them. Wheat beer. <laughs> Wheat beer oh, yeah. yeah, is that all they've gone? Yeah. Have they? Yeah. yeah. So, 
what what happens when you come home off the back of that? Are there offers waiting for you when you come home from both courts? Well, no, I, I was um, I, I came back from the Lions '89. I was chased around New Zealand by a guy called Chris Kaisley, a chairman of Bradford. He wanted right. to sign me. Yeah. Uh, every hotel I got, we stayed at. I had a, a note in my pigeonhole. Please ring me. <laughs> I want to sign you. Um, I got the money. I'm going to come home from New Zealand. Uh, I'm going to come home from Australia with somebody. And um, they will. I, I just said, no, I'm not interested. And then he, uh, he signed the scrum off. Oh, gosh, I can't remember his name now. Kiwi scrum off. Oh, dear. Can't remember his name. He, he did he did bring someone back with him. Right. Uh, yeah, if, if, if you look at the records, there's a Kiwi scrum off um, who played for Bradford in, uh, well, he was, it, it would have been 89. Yeah. Right. Um, he was there for a few seasons. Good player. Strong yeah. So, yeah, I'd said no to Bradford, but previously I'd, I'd said no to a couple of clubs, Warrington, St. Helens. Me, me and Paul Moriarty drove up to St. Helens once back in 1987 just for a trip. We had no intention of signing. We just went up to uh, see what we were worth. It was nice to nice to sort of say, you know, like, what are you going to yeah, offer us? You, know, that's you, could, it. you could go back home and say, oh, we got offered, I don't know, 150 Whatever grand. it was. Yeah, Whatever yeah. it was, you know. Yeah. But... Nah. They call it testing the open market now, John. That's what yeah, they call yeah. it. But it yeah. was funny, me and, me and Paul were best mates and we just hired the calves all paid for by St. Dellings and we we travelled up and uh, we went to the, 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 the old the old ground, Nosey Road, and uh, yeah. we met um, Alex Murphy and Joe Pickervance, one of the directors, and we were having a meal and a chat and then we all went into a room then separately, me and Paul, and he went in first and I had my ear to the door and I was listening and outside and it's quite funny listening to Paul <laughs> <laughs> asking for a lot more money than they are, they offered it. But, uh, you um, gotta you gotta try aren't you yeah and then I went it's my turn there to go in and it exactly the same exactly the same it was quite funny and it was a bit of a, 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 a you know a, a day out like a, yeah. a long day you know up and back from up and back from Bridgend to St. Helens in a day is a good good drive and, a good uh, we had a few sherbets and I Paul stayed in my house. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I had Warrington. I met uh, the old coach there. He's dead now. Johnson. Brian, is it Brian Johnson? Oh, uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, back in 89. Uh, the Kiwi, uh, he was Aussie, Aussie coach. Um, right. He, uh, I think it's Brian Johnson. He died uh, a good few years ago now. Um, but he came down with um, one of the scouts they had, a Welshman. I uh, won't tell you his name because um, you know, well, yeah. well but he um, he he lined us up for this meeting and we met them. He came down, they came down to meet us in um, right. Cardiff. Yeah, so yeah, only a couple of offers, and yeah. I come back from the Lions tour in '89, looking forward to playing rugby union again because yeah. I was, you know, I had a good tour with the Lions, and uh, it was kind of you know reinvigorated me. You know, I was really. Buzz in to play rugby union again, and then Doug yeah. comes. You know, Jonathan rings me up. Jonathan Davis was already there. Him and Paul Moriarty had signed several months before me, and they rung me up to say, "Witness are coming for me." You know, you better, you better get your, um, you know, your backpack. Yeah. So uh, they came. They came down. Dougie came down and visited me, and you know, he was never a great coach, Dougie, but he was a great man and manager. I've heard that a few times, yeah. Yeah, and he and he and he and he would, you know, he could charm a birds out of the tree, Dougie, and and he did do all that. You know, 
there's 13 players in our games. And, you know, whole room, whole room, he said. How, how in wrong he was there, let me tell you. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he was, he was good. And it was kind of like a new challenge. I had people there I knew, good, good friends, obviously, Paul and Jonathan, let alone Tati and Amosi Kaloto, who I knew anyway. Um, from my rugby union days, yeah. I'm, I'm on the fire. I mean, it was uh, some special side, and I remember, you know, signing and then going on honeymoon. I signed two days before I got married, so I can, you know, the money coming handy. Um, Gonna say a bit of spend. My my wife didn't have much of a say in it, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and anyway, I I come back uh, from honeymoon. I played my first game in the A team after coming back off being on honeymoon for 14 days on the pop. <laughs> and I played, uh, I'm not doing any training. And I, I literally had a 18 game against Hull KR on the Friday night after they coming home on a Tuesday. So that was my introduction to the league. It's mad, isn't it? Because what fans won't remember or forget or don't know is for the early games, they used to open, do you remember the big black gates on the north stand? They yeah. used to open them at half time, didn't they? And you mm. could flood in, but. I might, yeah. like the fans won't have realised they were able to watch. They like see you play in an A team game. Mm. So, would, so can you describe what the A League was for people that might not know? Please, John. So it was, it was like uh, well, it's a second. It's a second team, basically. Yeah. yeah. So it's witness is second team. They call the A team. Every side had an A team, and uh, lucky for me, I only ever played two A team games, and they were the first ever. Games of rugby league and and they were both most A team games are on a Friday night, yeah. And the A teams are made up of players who are either coming back from injury uh, or are um, just backup players for like fringe teams. players, yeah, fringe players, and or they've um, yeah, and and they and they use those games also to. To blood some new players or to have a look at and used to call them A and others on the on the team sheet, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, you know? try lists. Try yeah. list A and other, yeah. And uh so those games, yeah, were just um it was just a way for those players to have some rugby because on the Saturday or Sunday as it was, we used to play, yeah. you wouldn't you wouldn't play much rugby if you didn't get get on the for the first team. Yeah. So so yeah, in effect, this is the second team. And um yeah. and luckily uh it were for me, I played both for my 18 games at Witness. I didn't have to travel anywhere. And um, and we won both games. And I must have done all right because I got selected on the bench for Witness against Warrington. My first ever game, I think. And so, I think it was a Lancashire Cup semi-final at Wildersport. And Barry, Dow, bro- Barry Dow broke his ankle and I was on. Yeah. Dougie, Dougie stuck me on a wing and I was marking a guy called Des Drummond. Yeah, the winger. Mm. Yeah, well, I had Barry on that one go, mate, and he said it it was a, a mad time to play for witness because over even though he's a witness lad, he knew yeah. really he was only a fringe player because the dressing room was just full of world class players. Well, that's right. You know, he was he was up against uh, Tony Myler, wasn't he? You know, yeah, he, he was a, a standoff and. Uh, Tony had a lot of injuries, I know, but still he was he was a special player. Um, and obviously Jonathan was there as well. And Jonathan won, had aspirations of playing a standoff. But when I got there, he was playing wing and centre and full back, you know, depending yeah. on you know, depending on who was fit. I mean, it's a it's a an abrasive game, rugby league, it takes its toll. And we did have some 
we had a lot of injuries in that side. I mean, maybe that reason is the reason we didn't go on and win the league after '88. You know, we should yeah. have. We lost to Wigan by a point, I think, uh, my first season. Um, but yeah, we should have uh, should have done better. What was the what was the chat like from Wales about you swapping courts and coming up now? It wasn't, it wasn't as big a news story as Jonathan coming rugby league, but it was still a big story. I mean, I was um, a British lion, just come back off of British Lions. I was 21 caps for Wales. I was still only 23 years of age. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I was one of a number of players who had already done it. You know, there's people like um, Jonathan had gone, Paul Moriarty had gone, um, Stuart Evans had gone, Adrian Adley had already gone. So they, and then the floodgates did open after me. You know, Warrington, yeah. um, Roland Phillips, Alan Bateman, and Kevin Ellis, uh, Dai Young signed for Leeds, um, Scott Gibbs came to Saints, Scott Quinnell went to uh, Wigan, um, Mark Jones came to Hull. It was yeah, a lot of t- you know these are all internationals, all um, yeah. Welsh internationals. And they lost a generation. Wales lost a generation of players, really. So it was. Uh, so yeah, I, and it, yeah, it was sad. I mean, it was sad to come into rugby league because we knew we would never play rugby union again. But we didn't think we would, obviously. And yeah. it was sad that we'd never experience sort of um, international weekends ever again because they were special. Um, but you know, it was a new challenge, and we we kind of watched all those games on TV uh, up north when they came on, but. They were never the same playing for Wales. It was great playing for Wales in rugby league and playing for GB yeah. in rugby league, but they were never the same in terms of the the global audience and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and you were like legends for 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 a day. So, so you know while you played for Wales. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 I was going to say. Imagine, like you said, because the floodgates opened. Not only was it a generation; it's a good. It's a it's a virtual spine of a team. Which, yeah, you'll know yourself if you lose your spine, you lose virtually everything barring numbers, don't you? And yeah, you well, f- we, we had so many players that we set up, you know, the, the Welsh Rugby League side set up again then in 91. First oh, time on the up. back of you all coming yeah. over, right? Yeah, no, first, first game was against um, Papua New Guinea, and uh, Big Jim Mills was chairman. Uh, Clive Griffiths was coaching. You know, yeah. We had, you know, people like Di, Di Bishop played um, that day. You know, he was over in Hull KR, um, coming to the end of his career, albeit, you know, he went to rugby league. He'd had a great, great rugby union career. Bob Ackerman was there. You know, Bob, Bob had, you know, suffered um, my hand off um, in his days at Cardiff. Um, Probably have flashbacks yeah. when he's seen you again then. <laughs> yeah, we had a couple of yeah, we had a couple of players who weren't Welsh, um, you know, well born in Wales, but they had like Welsh grandparents. Yeah, Welsh the residency board. stuff. Yeah. But no, yeah. there was no residency. It was just um we had Yeston Aris, obviously a very young Yeston Aris. We had uh, yeah. Cunningham. Yeah. Uh, we had um a boy called Parrot from uh where did he come from? I think it was either Wakefield or Bradford. Yeah, it was a it was a couple that had like a Welsh corgis and a couple of things like that. You know, no, I, I mean generally. Yeah, they, <laughs> yeah they all, I know what you they mean. They all had Welsh. They all had Welsh um, heritage. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. So, how what 
memories really stand out for you from your spell at witness? Oh, I was only you know, I've been writing my book, um, which I'm sort of halfway through, and it, yeah. luckily I kept I kept diaries of things, you know, uh, yeah. over my of my time at witness, and it was, you know, we all had day jobs. A couple, yeah. only a couple of the boys did work, so you know, daytime was busy working, um, and then nighttime training, Monday nights, Tuesday and Thursday, and then Saturday mornings, and right, yeah, it was, it was, it was. It was a great time in my life. I mean, my I, I I just got married. I then had two 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 daughters, and they, you know they all both, you know, grew up in in Widnes. Well, eight, eight and three when I left to come yeah. back to Wales. But yeah, it was uh, yeah, it was just a great place to be. I mean, Widnes is uh, Widnes at the time wasn't a wasn't a sexy town, was it? It was kind of like. No. Um, it was worth about a good ten points to uh, to the, to us for opposing teams who used to like not like the smell. But um, <laughs> but I li- you know I lived in um, Parfields you know like by Conton there eh? yeah um, and is it Parfields I think it is and then um, yeah and we just had a, a great time and we were you know twenty minutes from Liverpool half an hour from Manchester an hour yeah. from Leeds the Lake District you know we had everything on our doorstep you had you know friends we made friends obviously team members and wives and all became very friendly and we had a great time up there and um, you know we were quite successful in my time we won the um, I think we'd run the, the Regal Trophy in 91 we won the Lancashire Cup we won the Premiership a couple of times and we lost one against um, Hull, didn't we? Was it Hull? Yeah. So, um, and then we lost Chance Cup final. Probably my most disappointing game as a witness player. Just one of them days, really. It was, um, I was just, I don't know, on the day I I was coming back from a little injury and I my timing was out a little bit. But yeah, but we had a chance. We should have beaten Wigan that day. We had yeah. a chance. Should have. Yeah, no. Sorry, mate. Some are put to players because obviously you have the the usual cliche. I'm but John Dorton. It's just another game. It's it's just mm. thirteen on thirteen. But what are the build? What was a build up to a cup final for you? And did it feel different? Well, it's the holy grail, isn't it? Uh, I think they all say, you know, you've got to play at Wembley. You've got to get to the Twin Towers. And we were, I, I luckily played there the year before with. Great Britain in the World Cup final and um, and then obviously Wembley 93 yeah. I went back to the year after with GB against New Zealand but yeah Chance Cup final was the holy grail and yeah I, don't, I just heard all these rumours no, no rumours stories about yeah. um, you know Witness being the Cup Kings and it was part of their heritage that they history that they 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 get to Wembley and they they just didn't get to Wembley enough while I was there and Jonathan yeah. and all the, and all those other rugby union players who had come up there and you know converted to rugby league and Dougie had assembled a fantastic side but we just needed a little bit more than just Arlem Grove Trotters type rugby you know we were yeah. just full of talented rugby players but with no real game plan and. Phil Larder came in 93 and gave us that game plan and extra coaching that we never had. And it's funny that we get there in 93 with Phil Larder, you know? Yeah. And there was a couple of couple of reasons why we didn't win, obviously, which he didn't, you know, didn't help getting sent off. 
I lost the ball in a tackle. I, I Martin O'Fire, I wanted it. I know I lost my focus in the game. You know, he was yeah. playing for Wigan. He was a witness player. I, I went to try and hurt him, in effect, when I was running at him. And I, I yeah. caught a little sly elbow off him. And he he, he, caught, he just glanced aside my head and I had lights out for a couple of seconds and I dropped the ball. Yeah. Dean Bell scored a try, but not many people picked up on the fact that I caught that elbow. And, you know, but I was, it was my fault because I lost focus and I was, I, all I wanted to do was just run over the top of Martin. But, yeah, he just kind of like went like this and like just caught this little elbow and, and I was down and I dropped the ball and he picked it up and gave it to Dean Bell and he scored under sticks and you know we scored first they scored we scored again you know yeah, Kurt, yeah. Kurt Sonson scored you know Darren Wright missed a tackle on um, on Cascadet was it I mean Darren never misses tackles and it was just little stories of that you know it just it kind of like it was nip and tap nick and tap and then it got to a tight part of the game then and then Sam Panapa scored, didn't he? And then they had a pen. Uh, just one of them games, but it just wasn't meant to be, mate. It was, and it should have been because yeah. we we deserved it. You know, I think yeah. we deserved it. We, that team was, you know, well overdue. The thing is, if we're going to be there so many times, then they knew how to win those games. You know, um, and that can a, be a big difference, can't yeah, it? Yeah, you know, it's a pressure pressure pot situation. You know, it was it was a lot of pressure. You could feel the pressure. You know, it was like ninety odd thousand or more people in that stadium. It was boiling all day. I think that the other story was they brought Julian O'Neill back over from Oz to play and dropped Les Holiday. I, do I agree with that? Yes and no. Yeah, it's filthy um, a bit, isn't it? It's a bit. It's wrong. Well, I mean, but it Les happens. Was, yeah. yeah, it happened. And Les was a great player and he never played in that game, you know. And who yeah. knows? Who knows? Les might have just been doing one of Les's, you know, putting people into holes and, you know, he could yeah. score more tries. But yeah, it was it's a sad day. But um, and um, yeah, but we'd be, you know, I got to Wembley and it just wasn't a win for us. Yeah. And a World Cup final, mate, how's that for you? And is it something you'd expect us to be involved in when you come over? No, not really. But you know, I never knew much about uh, the the GB setup and stuff like that. I didn't know what games they they did play and where they went on tour for even. You know, I I obviously saw the old photos of like Frank Myler because he's the last really like successful captain, wasn't he? And yeah. um, but yeah, I didn't really know. What, what how it happened or what you know I, as it turned out you know I went on the 1992 tour to Papua New Guinea and New Zealand as a late injury placement for um, Anthony Sullivan in my first season and that was great experience you know I gained a lot of experience and then when I went out to the 92 I was expecting to be like right in the test side for all these games we played, we went to Papua New Guinea New Zealand and Australia that tour and I just I don't know I'm a good tourist generally but I didn't I just didn't get. I I didn't didn't bring the best out of me that tour, and I um and I didn't perform in the games that I needed to perform. And I guess I, the other thing is that there's a lot of pressure on you as a player, and uh, sometimes the different coaches can be the way they coach different to you. You you know your yeah. coach, and yeah, sometimes coaches can put a little bit too much pressure on you. They <laughs> by saying things like like. Today you're like, no, make sure you don't do this and don't do that. You know, that's a negative, you know, yeah. and that's in your mind, you know. In other words, you know, you last game you played, you did this wrong, you did that wrong. Make sure you don't yeah. do that today. But uh yeah, I, I just um 
I, I kind of like uh, found it a tough tour, and um, yeah. and we didn't, you know, we weren't successful. We lost to oh, yeah, I can't remember. We lost the Kiwis. Sorry, but we beat. I think we won one game against the Aussies, but we lost the series. And I, I think I'm not sure about New Zealand. We may have been one all. I'm not sure, but uh, yeah. Papua New Guinea was a, a mad experience. Both I was going to ask it about that. Yeah. Both 1990 and 1992 were both exactly the same. Tear gas and every day, every game we played yeah. was tear gas. Um, Chaos. But uh, yeah, mad places. Um, yeah. I, I've been a part of it twice now. I, I'm not going to go back there. It's, it's just a mad place. Um, but that was, you know, a long time ago. Maybe it's got better. But um, yeah. very, poor, very poor country. But, uh, so... Yeah, so you're in this again without using the phrase too much. You're in the shot window again with the Aussies, mate. Aren't you? And a move down that comes about for you, doesn't it? You signed for Manly. So, yeah, that, that, I was very proud when I when I had that invite because, as you know, there's not many rugby or British rugby league players who get the uh, the, the invite, and they, and, yeah. and this they said that the invite comes from the Aussies, and yeah. uh, and but my old friend uh, Eddie um, at uh, um, at witness um he um he was big friends with graham low and uh, graham low was ex coach of wigan but he was coaching manly at the time and he was just looking for a center you know type player you know from uk and my name came up in in conversation so yeah i signed and did the deal in like like the November before I actually went the day after the Challenge Cup final in 93. And um, the only trouble is when I got there, Graham Lowe had, had, had taken ill uh, with a brain hemorrhage and uh, Bobby Fulton took over from him. Right. <laughs> so so that, was, uh, that was an experience when I first got there. Yeah, I can, I can imagine that's difficult because obviously it had been Graham that had, yeah. for better use of a phrase, wanted yeah. Yeah, and yeah, and then you've got there in the circumstances and Bobby, Fulton, and Bobby Fulton, who didn't want me. Uh, oh, right, was it? That's the yeah, thing, was it? Told me that straight, you know. All right, yeah. thanks. <laughs> so, yeah, I had divisions of me, myself and my wife and my daughter at the time she was three, um, being getting there and basically being told to go back, you know, don't want you type thing. Um, right, but I got there and he basically spelt out what he wanted from me and if I didn't shape up as he point put it um, I was all on the next ship um, so um, well obviously I shaped up because I yeah. played every game for him and was kicking goals and everything for him so, so um, it was reverse psychology then John no he's a hard he's, he's just a hard taskmaster he's, he's right. he was a, a brilliant coach um, tough man brilliant player in his day and a great coach and uh, he treated all the players a bit like that you know you know don't get too close to him and keep him on the edge and uh, no. and at the end we lost we lost in the playoffs against the Brisbane Broncos um, and Manly wanted to sign me full time the witness wouldn't let me go it's funny it's just one of those you know um, yeah. what if what if what if uh, it would have been nice just to have gone for a couple of seasons? I was going to say that was that something that disappointed you. Yeah, it would have. Yeah. You know, I I was a popular player at Witness, and 
you know, we did sell quite a lot of witness players after the Challenge Cup final, but I wasn't one of them. So, um, yeah, it's a bit sad. You know, it would have been great experience. Obviously, my wife was up for it as well, and that's, that's half yeah. the battle, isn't it? You know? Of course it is, mate. Yeah, of course it is. So, yeah. of all these places you've been, I was meant to ask you before, what are you like with memorabilia? So, you mentioned you've got your, your cap and stuff. Did you keep jerseys, programmes? Yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. it's because like it's one thing typing it up to send you mm. to say like I know you've been here, I know you, but you know when you're actually talking about it, it's so vast, mm. it's so like unique. Mm. I'll show you it if you want. There you yeah. Go. Yeah. Yeah. If you can see this. All right, that's a yeah, good setup that. GB. Smart. Yeah. Well, I done. Uh, well, short yeah. yeah, you got your witness jersey underneath the GB jersey. So, uh, yeah, that's Manly. That's snazzy, that, mate. Yeah, I like that. Manly, witness. Yeah. My old college, Bridgend, Wales. Uh, and the Lions down there. And then these are called Drogs. These what are, are them, sorry? They're called drogs. Oh, yeah, the characters. Yeah. Caricatures, yeah, they're called drogs. That's a class, that's a class display of that, mate. And that's a that's a British Lions cap there. Yeah. That's brilliant. And that's a Welsh cap in rugby union. Yeah. And that's a, that's a GB cap there. Right. Do you get caps at landmark games, John, or do you get one per game? No, just one. One game. Is it? Uh, one, one for 50 in rugby yeah. union. One for 100. One for 150. Right. In my day, nobody went over 50. No, really. well, it was it was a tough, it was a very different, tough game. Yeah, they play more games. They play more games. Yeah. Now, yeah. yeah. Right, so you come back and, and what happens with witness refusing the move? What do you do? That's it. I mean, um, I can't remember how long Phil lasted. Uh, that was 93, I come back, 94. Um, yeah, it was just a different side witness. And then we got to the 11th hour of 95 or whatever it is with the Super League, wasn't it? And then um, yeah. then we got kicked out. And that was right. pretty dire, to be honest. Yeah. That was dire because we... Uh, we slipped down into the second division of sets, wasn't it? And um, yeah. playing, playing sites like well, Batley and Dewsbury and Workington and, you know, all these places where we'd never gone before unless it was in a, uh, a Challenge Cup. A cup game, yeah. So what does that, does that get you to have a look at the landscape and see what's out there? Well, no, you know, I was settled. I was a big, you know, I was a, I'm always been quite a loyal rugby player. I mean, I, um, I was there a witness and I signed a new deal. Um, so did Jonathan. But yeah. then he went he went to Warrington, didn't he? Uh, uh, in 95, was it? 94, 5, whatever. Yeah. And then, um, but I signed a new deal and I was, and it just, I mean, we went into administration. You, you must have, everyone knows witness in 93 went into administration. So money wasn't um, in abundance there. We, we got out of it. We, we pulled yeah. through um, and um, 
but it was still obviously tough not having all those players that we had. You know, we lost all the, the big names, you know, a lot of the big names. I mean, all the ones, the only ones who stayed were people like um, the, the Hume brothers stayed, myself, yeah. um, McCurry, um, and oh, just honestly, I, I, I can't remember many, many others who stayed. Yeah. Um, you know, Jonathan went, Moriarty went, Andy Courier went. Um, yeah, Kurt, Kurt retired, obviously, after the World Cup, yeah. after the Challenge Cup. Um, Stanley Famalio, he went, Amorsi got injured and struggled with injury, and so did um, Tony Meyer and people like that. Yeah, so it was, we had just had an influx then of sort of boys who were playing in the A team who then stepped up to the first team, and the standard wasn't as good, you know. But Yeah, it's got to say, the level changes as well then, doesn't it? And yeah, and we signed yeah. a couple of other players. I mean, we signed uh, v- was it Vivas from St. Helens. Phil Vivas, was it? Right. Oh, no, not Phil Vivas. Um, oh, we signed, I can't remember his name now, from St. Helens. I've had too many bumps to the brain anyway. <laughs> My memory's not as good as it was. But um, yeah, we signed a couple of players from other sides, you know. Um, yeah. And I think Adrian Adley came over from Salford and joined us as well. So, yeah. But... It was tough, and we, like I say, we played in a, in a when we went into our second division of sorts. I was tough as well, and yeah, yeah. And I remember breaking my ankle then against Featherstone in a cup match. Big injury then as well, John. That isn't well, it. It wasn't it's... a it wasn't a bad break, but it was a broken ankle. But it wasn't like a snapped badly snapped bone. It was just a, a crack in my bone. Really, it was a crack, but it was bad enough to put me in a plaster for a number of weeks and then I came back and then oh, I don't know didn't it wasn't right, right. and then in the, in the end you know witness you know they owed me money and I just you know the, the, the I had the, the invitation to go to sale sharks didn't I yeah, yeah. I played like a dual contract and I did that and I played there for, for a season back to back and um and so did a number of other rugby league players like Gary Connolly, Henry Paul, um, Martin O'Fire, you know, all these players, Jason Robson, they all went to rugby union clubs in the off-season. Yeah. And then I did that. And then Sail Sharks wanted to sign me full-time. So that actually happened that time, you know. I, yeah. Sadly, I, I didn't leave witness on the... To on the you know the way I wanted it to happen you know it didn't yeah. it was it was a bad taste in in, in my mouth when I left it oh, and, and you're fully entitled with that mate off off what's gone on but where did you so when you were playing the dual contact with sale where mm. were you playing positional wise was your back Centre. in the centres yeah yeah outside centre as well um yeah yeah. Yeah, they had, big the game. They, they had a big Kiwi in the centre as well, a big lad. Uh, right. So, yeah, there was a guy called Josh Baxendale, uh, who was a skillful player. And, yeah, it was it was a good. And then well, Paul Turner, his ex-rugby union, he was coaching them when he when he signed me, right? And, um, but again, when I get to sale, he's been sacked. Him and the chief executive have both been sacked. So a guy called John Mitchell takes over. You know, John Mitchell's ex-New Zealand uh, number yeah. eight. And uh, anyway, it, it was okay. The first season was good. Second season wasn't great because then my ankle, bro- I broke my ankle again. 
Same one. Yeah, same way. Yeah, and I was out for a year. Right. How did you go with that, mate? Well, it was tough. I mean, I literally wouldn't heal, and I was going to see all these faith healers and stuff. It was unbelievable. I was having all these tests, and uh, they were going to reoperate on it. But in the end, it got better. um, But being out a year, I I, I kind of fell out a little bit with John Mitchell. And um, I suppose they fell out a little bit with me because they were paying me, but, but I was injured, you know. We know from your own, but sports fickle, isn't it? Yeah, but then yeah. also I ended up going to Worcester for yeah. just on just on loan, just to get some rugby. Play. Right. So I went to Worcester Warriors from from the right. January to the end of the season, and really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. Travel down, travel down every three times a week from Witness down to Worcester, back yeah. up. Every night because they trained at night, and uh, they were good side, um, and they were they were trying to get promoted to the first division, and, right. uh, and then I played all the games till the end of the season. I remember playing against Andy Currier, who was then playing for London Welsh, coached by Clive Griffiths. We yeah. big big grudge match, but we beat them 13-12 at uh, at Worcester's uh, Six Way Stadium, and then. Um, Last game of the season, we played in Rotherham. Um, Worcester wanted me to sign full-time for them. But I had made my mind up I was going back to Wales. Right. I got an offer to sign back for Bridgend, my old team. So it's come right full circle now, yeah. mate, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, full circle. And was you more than ready as well? Because some of them experiences have been great. Some have been a bit crappy. But it's been some journey so far, hasn't it? Yeah, but I was still young, you know. I was only... Um, I played, uh, I was 30, 33. Right. I'm still young, still young. Yeah, and still, I, still I time in the legs. Another seven years I played. I played three yeah. years at Bridgen. I went to Pontypool then because I finished with Bridgen because they they went, they went full time and I didn't want that. I was, I was retired, you know, I was, I was winding yeah. down. So they, they were, you know, rugby union had obviously gone, you know, professional and they were going full time and I just said no. Um, so I left Bridget and I was just going to retire and I had a phone call from Kevin Ellis who was out Pontypool and he said to come up here there's a bunch of kids up here and they need an old head you know old head in the centre and I went up there and, <laughs> and it it just was one of them clubs where sometimes it's like some, some players always have bad luck in a club and they need to get out of that club and I had a little bit of bad luck I, I snapped my ACL Oh, yeah, against okay. Neath, against a game against Neath, I was uh, 36 at the time. Yeah, and it was misdiagnosed. I was told to get on with playing. <laughs> As they do, yeah. yeah. Misdiagnosed. Even I'd done an MRI scan and they misdiagnosed it. And I went out, to spent my own money to get another MRI scan and I had a consultation with a, a consultant, orthopedic surgeon I knew, and he diagnosed it as a complete rupture of my ACL. Oh, so he actually looked at the scan, did he, instead of not well, looking? Well, he had, he, had yeah. he had the scan at Pornipur, and he had the scan that I paid for with my own money. Yeah. And then he said, it's hanging on by a thread in that that, that one there, that Pontypool did, but the yeah. one you went and paid for, and they made you play and train with a ruptured ACL. Nice. So I was in agony. Yeah. And um, I had the operation expecting to have a full reconstruction but 
there was always a chance I may get away with that. And then anyway, it, it, it did. I, I gave um, uh, the, the surgeon, Pemberton, operated on me and he said, yeah, you'll get away with it. You know, I took away the, the, the ruptured ligament and you'll be fine. Oh, um, okay. And then I I finished upon the pool. We got promoted yeah. that season. And then I was going to retire. And then I had another phone call from Kevin Ellis to come up to my stake. And yeah. me and Alan Bateman were playing in the centre up in my stake for three seasons. And I had a great, great, great time. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. And my stake is literally seven miles from where I live now. It's right. an adjacent, an adjacent valley to the to the place I grew up as a kid. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was just great to. Um, there was no money in it. Yeah, for pure money. enjoyment again. It was mate, money. Yeah. It, it was it was money, but it was no it was no money. But it wasn't yeah, for it yeah. wasn't for yeah. I had a good time. And then I uh, I retired at the age of 40. That's not bad going, mate, is it? Not bad. Not yeah. bad. I mean, just you know. I, yeah. I mean my knee my knee started hurting a little bit. Okay. But then I just said enough's enough. Yeah. So and do, do you know what you're back in the year career, Johnny? You're starting to mentor as much as play if that makes sense are you are you helping people out with positional yeah, awareness yeah, did. With... yeah i did a bit of that yeah I, w- I was to be honest i was hoping that i would have done a bit more of that at bridgen and they yeah. would have kept me on as on but not as full-time but just kept me on to do some mentoring but mm. that didn't happen so, and they've never they reached know, out but all the other clubs i went to yeah you know it was a lot of inexperience yeah it was good yeah I think it'd be, it's silly of them not to have reached out yeah because of where you've been what you've done what you've yeah. experienced it was they've had they've had a wealth of knowledge on their hands and overlooked yeah. it yeah but, but again like you said that's life isn't it mate and yeah so a couple of daft questions for you mate yeah so did you have any pre-match superstitions Oh yeah, always left sock on first and left boot on first, but then after that is yeah, that was it. None of this hopping right. on one leg over the line and doing all this. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. And I never and I, and I was never like Bobby Roden who had to make himself sick before every game, so no, I didn't have anything like. That. But yeah, just uh, so- left sock, left sock on and left boot on first before yeah. the right boot. Yeah. Was you someone that needed an early involvement, or could you could you be patient enough for, to come in yeah. at the right time? Yeah, yeah. I mean, rugby league, you were always involved, weren't you? Rugby yeah. league is totally different, but rugby league, you're involved from the first second, aren't you? You know, virtually, yeah. mate. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So your toughest player you've played with and against definition of tough is very different for everybody, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, there's loads of tough boys yeah. to play with. And against, isn't it? You know, just some, you know, players, just like the boys who did the hard yards, you know, the Kurt Sons and Marcy Colotos and Joe Grimmers in the world, you know, in witness. Yeah. Tough, you know. Your platform boy sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then again, you know, against, obviously, <laughs> I didn't I didn't usually lose out to many players, but I certainly lost out to uh, Malman Inga in 94 when he smashed my jaw in four pieces. So oh, nice. yes, yeah, he's probably the toughest or the hardest. Certainly had a hard shoulder because his shoulder smashed my jaw into four pieces. And of him. Mm. Your favourite away ground, John? 
Um, I didn't really have, if, I, I suppose Headley and Centre Park were probably, because they were yeah. our main rivals. Headley was always a nice stadium, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, I was like, the change rooms is probably more than the stadium, the nicer change rooms, because there's nothing worse than going to a ground where they got shitty change rooms and they, you, can't, you know, can't bring a cat in there. And, yeah. And they've got the communal baths back in those days. Yeah. And the last thing you want is a shitty communal bath as well. But no, I was, I didn't really have any favourite, you know. Norton Park wasn't my favourite, really, you yeah. know. It was a shame that we have, didn't have the stadium they got now, back yeah. then. No, no, that, yeah. So if if you were playing now, do you think you'd prefer the older style stadiums or do you like the newer style? No, I like the newer style. But, you know, yeah. witness were crying out for a new stadium because... They were successful and they needed more people in there and then more money generated. Yeah. You know, look at Central Park, you know, they, they had 10 or 12,000 every game. That's a lot of money coming through the gate. Yeah. And then you're able to keep that engine going, aren't you? You know, yeah. Get the best players, you know, when there's a new player, someone retires, change a player, bring a new player in. Dougie was always good at that, wasn't he? Yeah, evolving. He would always bring a. He turn up a training one day and be like a new player there. We go shit, you know. <laughs> you know the day, the day he brought Les Les Holiday though, it was like amazing. Uh, what a yeah. player he's been. He's a great player. Oh, if you've have a few beers, mate, and you're out with your mates, and the microphone ends up in your hand, what song do you give us? Pretty Woman. Yeah. Mm. Like it? No hesitation either. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> So I understand if you don't want to, mate, because of the amount of plays you've played with and stuff. But if you're willing to, that are one to thirteen or one to fifteen of the best plays you've played with, or the most memorable players. But I understand if you don't want to. It's a tough one. I mean, I, yeah. I, I had a long career and I've had such great players. Um, I mean, you just pick the witness side I played in. That's yeah. good enough for me. But you know, I I like players like. I, I love Gary Connolly as a player. Um, Paul Newlove, um, yeah. you know, Kevin Iro, um, you know, they were. Obviously, Martin was in the side, but then played to Wigan. You know, it was yeah. it was a loads. You know, I'm just picking loads of centres there, and I. But um, yeah, in terms of wingers, yeah, no, it's it's a tough one. Um, and then there's Aussies and, and players like that. Yeah. Have, you know, a lot of Aussie players I could pick, you know. Um, yeah. Well, you've been blessed, but you've been blessed because of your own ability that's got you in them teams, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, like the, the Manly yeah. side I played in with Cliffy Lyons. You know, Cliffy Lyons, um, Oni Myler were brilliant players, brilliant yeah. standoffs. My first game for Manly, I played 80 minutes for the reserve grade, the second team. Right? Yeah. Against Canterbury Bankstown, I just got over it. So I played the reserve gate game first, and then this guy comes up to me after the game and says, "You're backing up for the first team." I was like, "What?" He said, "You're on the bench." I just played 18 minutes, mate. <laughs> so I get on. I was on the bench. Yeah. And then, I think we were losing 10-8. Uh, just before half time, someone goes, someone comes off. I'm on because in those days, you only went on if you were injured. Yeah, same like yeah. 
And I go on and Cliffy, like, I run this lovely line and Cliffy, I was in the centre, Cliffy Lyons gives me this ball and puts me through this hole and I'm in the middle, I'm in the clear and like running halfway line, get into the 20, and start veering out to the right, fullbacks coming to get me. And I put the big step in and if I hadn't played 80 minutes against, you know, previous like yeah. an hour ago, I would have scored under the sticks and my just leg crumbled under me. And I, I got tackled about half a yard from the line. What an introduction that would have been, you know. But um, Cliffy was a great player. Des Asler. God, that side was full of great players. Matthew Ridge, fullback. Um, Ian Roberts, prop. There's rumours they've just sacked Des, actually. Have they? That's, that's the rumour, yeah. Apparently they've, they've sacked Des, he? Nah, sad, though. That is yeah. sad. Yeah, there was all over the uh, rainbow... Rainbow the jersey, team. yeah. I it's think it wasn't over that, but it, it that created a problem. That kick-started something, yeah. Well, there's uh, a lot of the island. I guess a lot of the islanders are very religious, right? And yeah. They just, they just probably refuse to wear it, and that's their that's their choice. That's their belief, mate. And, yeah. and I should have just been left as as it was. But, yeah. And then maybe Desi. Oh, I don't know. I know Desi. I was only talking to him recently. Um, yeah. And um, I was wishing him all the luck. Actually, it was the start of the season. I was wishing him all the luck for the start of the season. But um, yeah. that was a shame. That's, it's only a rumour so far, mate. So what date are we on? We're on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're on the third team. So it's it's a rumour that he's mm. getting replaced with. Do you know Anthony Siebel, who's yeah uh, skills coach yeah. in England at the minute? That's the rumour. Yeah, so, well, he was at South Sydney, Anthony. He you know, was. Yeah. You know, and then he went to Broncos and had a, a disaster. Yeah. Do you know, Andy Siebel was assistant coach here down the road with the Crusaders when we set up the the new uh, with the Welsh Rugby League side, literally in Bridgend. Oh, was he? So he was assistant coach to to John Dixon right. uh, from Brisbane. Yeah, uh, and a guy called Leighton Samuel who brought me back to Bridgend. Yeah, um, he then set up a rugby league side because I lined Leighton Samuel up with the rugby league. Um, right, I got Leighton Samuel. To fund then the Celtic Crusaders in Bridgend. Oh, right, okay. And they, and they got into Super League, remember? And, yeah, that's uh, you, mate, yeah. And Anthony Siebold and John Dixon were the coaches. All right. So he, he, he cut his teeth over you, Siebs, and then he went over to South Sydney. Yeah. And he done done wonders. He did. He, he was assistant at South, wasn't he? And then he was head coach at yeah. Brisbane, wasn't he? And that's it, yeah. It's. It, Seem a bit toxic at that point, Brisbane, yeah. didn't it? So I'm not sure it was all Anthony, but yeah, you'll never truly know. Yeah, a very, very inexperienced side of Brisbane Broncos, didn't he? And I think yeah. he went, went there thinking he could change it all and a bit of arrogance. And but uh, no, he's a good coach. So. Yeah. No, yeah. So thank you very much for your time. and appreciate it, John. No um, problem. Your episode will be out on the 30th of this month. Tell me, just let me know when it is. Yeah, I'll drop you a, a message, mate. Yeah. But uh, thanks yeah. very much. I appreciate your time. Uh, have a good well, weekend, the, mate. Send me the link. Send me the link to the yeah, everything, whatever. mate. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Thanks very much, bud. Good man. Have a good one. See you later, Cheers, mate. Bye. And you. Bye-bye. 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 Follow, like, share, subscribe, and endorse us via Facebook, Trot the Eggin, Twitter, at Trot the Eggin, slash at John Heath, Instagram, Trot underscore D underscore Egg, underscore in youtube trot the egg in linkedin john hetherington and spotify trot the egg in
This week's rugby story is that of a Welsh rugby legend who has graced many a stadium playing for big clubs in the big occasions. The clubs are Bridgend RFC, Witness, Sale Sharks, Worcester Warriors, Manly Sea Eagles, Pontypool, Maystag, and this was while also representing Wales in both colds, the British and Irish Lions, Great Britain. Ladies and gents, Mr John Deborah. You've been listening to Trot the Eggin. Thanks to our sponsors, Bardell Sports. Follow us on Twitter at Trot the Eggin and Instagram at Trot underscore the underscore egg underscore in.